Welcome back to Weather the Podcast, and today we're talking about the little streaming service that could. Crunchyroll. As always, I'm Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And my question today is, do you use Crunchyroll, and how long have you been using Crunchyroll? Just like I'll start this whole fresh 2021 uh, episodes at this point. Um, I do not use Crunchyroll. I have not used Crunchyroll all I know about Crunchyroll is I get an email about a bill for Crunchyroll once a month. <laughs> what, Matt? You don't watch any of the wonderful anime on Crunchyroll? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, this is my... I'm not going to lie. not going to lie here, guys. I streamed a lot of anime legally back in the day. And I didn't even know Crunchyroll was a thing until like college um, because I was already streaming my stuff illegally through XYZ site. And I only use Crunchyroll now because it's integrated into my HBO Max. I actually don't have a Crunchyroll subscription because all the anime I want to watch is already on there. And honestly, the other anime I do watch is on like the Funimation app because Funimation has like my sport, like my rugby anime and things like that. And like my other like shonen anime. So I use Funch- uh, Funimation more than I use Crunchyroll. But now the Crunchyroll's with HBO Max. Now I I guess I use it pretty pretty often now. Because Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen and... Have you started watching that? I did. I did. I watched like the first two episodes and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm down. It's good, right? And Same. the God of High School is just like, I'm thinking of like the bop in my head right now. So as long as like HBO keeps getting good stuff on their Crunchyroll, I'll keep watching anime on Crunchyroll. That HBO makes Max. me happy. And they're both uh, from the same studio, Studio Mappa, which is why the fight scenes look so dope. Mm, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I've been watching Crunchyroll since it was illegal to watch Crunchyroll. <laughs> um, which we'll get into its history and that in and of itself is kind of about why though. But I've been on the Crunchyroll train since it was just an illegal site where people uploaded things to it. And I've kind of stuck with watching it. I fell out of using Crunchyroll just because um, for me, the split in anime is that you get simul dubs from Funimation because Funimation has more of a, I guess, interaction or partnerships with anime uh, folks or companies. And I like dubs because I can watch them while doing other things at the same time. <laughs> um, so I will most of the time choose Funimation and I did for the longest time. And then now that uh, Crunchy is doing a lot of their original anime uh, this past year, I've been watching a lot more Crunchyroll. Um, they have a lot and they have my sports boys, which is Haikyuu. Um, and then some of the less shonen based. So they have like a lot more romance and stuff like that on there too. Um, now the Funimation doesn't, but uh, Funimation yeah. usually has like the, the, they have the heavy hitters, the Dragon yeah. Ball, the My Hero, like all that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. Uh, coming off of our, our One Piece episode, I did try and go watch like to kind of catch up and like refresh my memory on One Piece stuff. But like, it was so hard to find. I don't even know if they even have like the One Piece dub of one piece on Crunchyroll, or, or at least I couldn't find it in on like mm-hmm. the website. But I know Funimation has the dub, so that's why I watch it there. And again, like you said, it's just easier to put that on another screen while I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you're right with the when we did have Crunchyroll and we did use it primarily, like my wife used it primarily because she loves like the the romance based um, animes, and that's has a much they have a much better selection of that like on Crunchyroll from her perspective than like Funimation does. Yeah. 
Um, so and we'll get into like some of the nuances between streaming platforms as we go through the but why those for Crunchyroll. Um, to start this off, though, I have a history kind of. This is just going to tell you what Crunchyroll is because the history of Crunchyroll is actually a but why though in and of itself. Um, so to start things off, uh, Crunchyroll is an American distributor, publisher, and production and licensing company focused on anime, manga, and dorama. If you don't know what dorama is, dorama is uh, live action Japanese dramas. Um, Founded in 2006 by university uh, by a group of University of California Berkeley graduates, uh, Crunchyroll's distribution channel and partnership program delivered content to over seven million registered users, which they hit in 2019. Seven or seventy? Seventy million. Okay. Did I say seven? Yes. They have over 70 million users worldwide, um, and they hit that number uh, last year in, uh, in in 2019, or that was for 2019 announced last year in 2020 that that was their subscription base. Crunchyroll has offices in San Francisco, LA, London, Barcelona, Vancouver, Chisinau, and Tokyo, and is a member of the Association of Japanese Animations, AJA. Uh, Crunchyroll Hima, also known as Hima, is their official adorable mascot. Um, she's really, really cute. You should look her up. I love her. Um, and Crunchyroll offers in total over a thousand anime shows, more than 200 East Asian and 200 East Asian genres, uh, dramas to users, as well as 80 manga titles, um, as Crunchyroll manga, although not all programming is available worldwide due to licensing restrictions. We'll talk a lot about licensing this episode. The manga and anime space is very interesting in that you can have somebody who controls the English licensing rights for a printed piece, but not the visual ones. And then that person can, can then like, Yashahime is the best example. Viz owns the rights, but Viz doesn't have its own platform to show manga or anime on so it distributes it through crunchy funimation and hulu which is a whole big thing crunchyroll passed 1 million paid subscribers in 2017 and has over 3 million paid subscribers as of 2020 to break down the 70 million registered users versus paid subscribers you do you can have crunchyroll as a free service you just watch everything with ads um, and then you have the paid crunchyroll service which gives you access to uh, simul uh, simulcasts which are, are things that are casted at the same time as they are in japan usually about an hour apart as well as i think they have like a larger manga selection and you get access to more episodes at a time um, and sometimes different dubs um, so those are kind of the differences. And then they have like weird incentives for their store. You get like, I don't know, it's dumb. I have the paid version because I don't like ads. Um, <laughs> Crunchyroll also selects some anime titles for release uh, on home video through its distribution partners, which are Funimation, Sentai, Viz, Discotech in North America, and then Anime Limited in the United Kingdom. Um, to put it simply, Crunchyroll has its foot in literally every piece of Japanese pop culture that you can get in the United States. And that is a very big thing. And we'll get into why that history is, but why though after this? Yeah, because if your role is a little bit crunchy, Manscaped has the products for you. Support for But Why Though is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Big news, Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over, all the time. 
Everyone knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your below-the-waist grooming needs, but they didn't stop there. No, they did not. Complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this is a cologne perfect to complement the others in the collection. Light, approachable, and gentlemanly, all in the right ways. Think of it as your right-hand man for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Calming and inviting, this signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the angry notes of vetiver and a woodsy masculine finish. The 50 milliliter spray cologne is even hyperallergenic, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. This beautifully designed bottle makes a statement, and the manly scent is attractive to set the mood. Also, be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all the essentials for your below-the-waist grooming needs, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulation. Yes, I'm talking about ball deodorant and toner to keep your testes besties. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BOATWIDO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. Your balls, and now your body will thank you. Okay, so the history of Crunchyroll is about why the win of itself because it's a little bonkers, and it is Crunchyroll's rise is literally why we have competitive streaming platforms in anime. Netflix does not start co-producing or licensing anime out if this doesn't happen. Hulu, same thing. Um, so. When we look at this, Crunchyroll started in 2006 as a for-profit video upload and streaming site that specialized in hosting East Asian video content. Uh, it essentially works like a YouTube for specifically anime and then like StarCraft videos, weirdly enough. So like- Those were very valuable, by the way. So if like uh, on Anime in America, which is a podcast that Crunchyroll produced, hosted by Dewey Travis, uh, the founder of Crunchyroll kind of talked about how it started and it was essentially just people sitting in their college dorm room and they were like watching StarCraft videos and they were like, this is a lot and it's eating our computer. Maybe we could just do it where people upload it and we can watch it instead of using torrents. And so they essentially just built a YouTube video upload site where you could upload your anime and in their particular case what they wanted at first. Starcraft. Um, it was the go-to website that was mainly for anime and gaming gaming videos. And once they got found, they ended up running out of bandwidth uses for the site. And like they maxed out, like when you hear the founder talk about it, they kept maxing out credit cards because they had to keep buying more bandwidth. Because apparently what happened was uh, Alexa at the time ranked them. And once they got ranked, everybody was finding their site. Um, so if you're not familiar with the subbing process, usually things won't get subbed into English until they're officially licensed. And that means that especially in the early 2000s, there was a lot of content that was just behind that region, that region difference. And so what would happen is that anime fans would torrent content from Japan and then you would have fans who would then translate that content. Um, it was all legally done and to kind of like make it in like a more like drawn out way, um, 
it's the way manga manga is scanlated illegally. So essentially you have fans of it who pick it up, you use the Japanese raws, and then somebody re-letters, redraws, and puts in the English translation for it. Um, these folks are highly talented. Like, I don't think, I mean, this is not me condoning illegal things, but fan subbers and scan leaders are very talented people. Um, and so this would happen for fan subbing and fan dubbing, although fan subbing was more, more prominent of Japanese content. Some of the content hosted on Crunchyroll included fan subbed versions of all of the shows. And then the reason that uh, illegal streaming sites exist by and large is because uh, the content just wasn't available in the US. And this happens immediately after the first boom of anime, which is the Toonami generation, right? So like everybody realizes that that, that anime can be extremely lucrative, but what happens in that process is that when they realize that you can make money on anime in America, you end up pushing up the licensing rights and the prices for licenses skyrocketed, which essentially left only a couple of companies being able to actually produce anime. Which is kind of like the whole thing of like, I feel bad because it's illegal stuff, but also, do you see what happens here? Yeah. <laughs> and then if I've learned anything in the last year, it's only illegal depending on who does anything. Well, and it was this hard thing too, because like you had anime becoming, I mean, I guess mainstream is just a different, like now it's mainstream, but at the time you had something like Cartoon Network that was broadcasting anime. And then you had this large like success behind um, the different mecha franchises and everything. And you had a lot of content, but it was still sparse into comparison to what was out there. Um, like honestly shoujo really doesn't exist in the united states for a while because it's not getting translated because they weren't getting licensed because you only had yeah, one or two avenues that was gonna be my question like in those early days like where are they showing so i'm thinking about like 2006 like what like what's like super big then like mecca like, mecca what shippuden i imagine is like probably getting well so if you there. look so for so specifically like the reason the licensing skyrockets is because of the success of shows in the Toonami era. So we're looking at all the different Gundams. Uh, so Sunrise Entertainment's like entire Gundam slot or mecha slot. And then you're looking at um, uh, like uh, Sailor Moon was the only real shoujo. And then you end up with uh, Naruto's Weird because Naruto comes into play for another, for another part of Crunchyroll specifically, but the ones that were making all the money were pretty pretty much Mecca, is honestly the answer. Yeah, so it was um, like a bunch of people who wanted to see more of that in like one place. Yes. Got and you. then you also, and so people were really, really hungry for more content because they knew more was out there. Because again, you have stuff coming out. Like manga, manga is building up its own foundation and platform at the same time too um and because people wanted new content they moved towards scanlations if you jump forward from the tsunami era into 2007-2008 you end up with the anime bubble bursting which is essentially all the licenses that four kids tv owned that cartoon network had the 2007-2008 financial crisis <laughs> makes it so that those arms 
can't really function lucratively and they end up getting priced out of a lot of the licensing contracts. Um, so that led to the collapse of a lot of things. Um, namely, you're looking at four kids and then I forget the person who owned Eva. But so uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Pokemon, those are two of the largest titles that went that went undistributed for a while. Pokemon was easier because Nintendo USA was able to buy rights directly. But when you look at Neon, Gel Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is like one of the cornerstones of anime, that actually did not get a license picked up until 2019 when Netflix bought the redistribution licenses. Um, that's a long time. Um, and Netflix doesn't even have all the rights to Eva. Like they still have some rights with G Kids. So, anyway, essentially, what this does is it creates an entire financial crisis for the anime industry in the United States when it comes to licensing because companies didn't feel that they could justify licensing anything out. This is essentially when piracy just like bursts right through the damn wall like the Kool-Aid man and is like, I got anime for you. And so digital content, while it did exist in some form on Anime Network or like some very, very small titles on Netflix. And then in the early days of Hulu, there were like one or two. And so essentially what you have is this competition between piracy sites so torrenters who could get it up within like a couple of days and then the video sites which were doing the same thing but less viruses and so that was the first time that piracy had like this split of torrentine and then immediate uploads and then in 2008 crunchyroll ended up actually securing a capital investment of 4.5 a million dollars in venture from a venture capital firm called Venrock. The investment pissed off Bondi and Funimation because at the time that the money was invested in them, they still uh, they still allowed illegal copies of the license titles from their, those two companies to be uh, shown on that platform. But on New Year's Eve of 2008, they ended up deleting all of their backlog of illegal content um, because the little babies became a subscription platform. Um, so while the folks at Bondi and Funimation really fought about the idea of empowering Crunchyroll, the company was still able to secure legal distribution rights with companies, including Gonzo, and ultimately would end up striking a deal with TV Tokyo. Um, this is similar to the format that Faku did. So Faku is the, the hentai publisher in the United States. They started as a scanlation and uh, fan subbing because fan subbing also exists for hentai. Uh, company that essentially said, hey, these are all the numbers that we have. You could pay us to distribute your stuff legally and we can give you those numbers. Um, Faku did it a little bit differently in that they slowly phased out content over time. Whereas Crunchyroll just straight up deleted any sort of illegal and copyright infringing content. This meant that once it became a platform, it had very, very small number of titles. But by agreeing to delete all of the copyright infringing material, they were able to work with companies to actually secure licensing rights because their argument to them was this. These are all of the people who are paying attention to us. These are our millions of users. If we delete ourselves, they're just going to go to the torrents and they're going to go to get stuff on the darker side of the web, uh, on the web. So why don't you just work with us 
to simulcast your content. And so in January of 2008, they ended up announcing a deal with TV Tokyo to host episodes of Naruto Shippuden, which is where Naruto comes back. Um, and Crunchyroll essentially said that was committed to moving all their material and only hosting legitimate content. What came from this deal was the very first simulcasts. And simulcasts are now a standard when it comes to anime. Um, this actually worked in two ways. One, it allowed Crunchyroll to stay on top of the game and not losing out to pirating sites because the beauty of pirating is it's still free. But because they were getting content an hour after Japan was and putting that up an hour after, they removed the need of anime watchers to go to something that's fast by being the fastest. And because they were able to, to, to sub that content, they were able to get more people invested to pay the money. That also meant that the company working with Crunchy also had those viewers legally watching their content and that removed people from the anime pirates, which like Kiss Anime still existed until last year. Um, so like this didn't solve the piracy issue. There is still stuff that isn't licensed in the United States. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was just gonna say like if you're getting millions of users and like even like a fraction of those decide to like pay for your thing, that's better than millions of users going to go to pirate your stuff through like other mm -hmm. means. Those people who are like are like dead set on pirating are gonna pirate regardless. You know how many people like pirated Game of Thrones? <laughs> like, <laughs> didn't want to pay you know the whatever money to go watch Game of Thrones and still pirated like every episode of every season. Like that's just gonna happen. Yeah. But if you can lock those in, like lock them in. Because essentially, those are the two types of people who's pi who pirate anime content. You have the person who just doesn't want to pay, or you have the person who just wants to watch the thing quickly. And you're with a, with Crunchyroll's model, you got the person who just wanted to watch the thing quickly. Um, and so this is where I say that I'm not condoning illegal reading or watching of manga and anime. Um, this is just me describing the big streaming boom that happened because Crunchyroll was the first digital manga pla or anime platform that you could watch anime on in this way that wasn't video on demand that had simulcast and they kind of set the standard for what anime platforms are now um it also needs to point it out that the biggest problem that, that crunchyroll ran into was subbing the content they were getting from japan because they weren't given any resources to do that so essentially when a when a company secures licensing rights they have to localize that content and so the localization process is everything from like what four kids did by changing a gun to finger hands um <laughs> to actually translating the content through subs or through dubs. So what essentially Crunchyroll did was they actually reached out to the fan subbing community and they hired past fan subbers to come in and legally sub the anime. Um, and so essentially they had content that they were doing as a fan before and now they're actually getting paid to do it, which I included just because that's just really cool and actually really similar to how a lot of manga translators get their start in manga as well. And also a lot before, obviously a lot of modders from which we've talked about before in games that happened as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Which goes back to like, don't be like Disney and just hog your content from everybody. You got like a whole new workforce that gets built up on it.
But yeah, the easiest thing that made Crunchyroll kind of outshine other platforms or other people that were distributing anime at the time was the fact that Funimation just licensed anything. Because of their actual platform, they were able to uh, license let more niche content, which kind of brings us back to like those romances. Um, but IQ, like the thing is, is like Funimation would never, doesn't, have a license for Haikyuu on their platform because Hi uh, Funimation's main breadwinner is physical content because Funimation owns and retains physical distribution rights for a lot of those things. Because of that Crunchyroll, because Crunchyroll didn't start out as physical distribution, they were able to take more risks on stuff that they saw succeeding from pirated sites and everything like that and just live on streaming. Ultimately, what happens here is you end up the you end up with a rise of simulcast, and you have every single anime thing in existence trying to make a streaming platform. Um, so Viz came up with Neon Alley, which they then sold to Hulu, which now is completely integrated into Hulu is just Hulu's anime section, but they did a simulcast of Inuyasha Final Act. Funimation did their simul their first simulcast was Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And then ultimately now you end up with the current the current streaming setup where if something is licensed out to multiple platforms, the one that has the fastest, uh, who has the fastest publication of that episode will be the one that people primarily watch it on. The reason I say that is because while Funimation has the simul dubs of uh, My Hero Academia, uh, the other places, Hulu and Crunchyroll, where My Hero also shows up on, does not have those dubs as quickly as they do on, on Funimation's platform. So that's where you end up with all the differences that end up sprouting out. But all of this stems from uh, Crunchyroll's proof of concept. Um, and everybody wants a piece of it. And now you ended up, you end up with Netflix being probably one of the heaviest hitters coming into 2021 with their lineup of content. Yeah. I mean, that has to be like I me mean, just so far. And we have some other things to talk about, but that has to be like one of like their biggest contributions, right? Like if you're pushing mm -hmm. bigger companies to do simulcast like that in and of itself, like just makes our community better because as someone who like refuses to watch some stuff in, in sub, you can fight me all you want, but I'm not listening to Goku in Japanese. I'm, I just can't yeah. do it. I can't do it. I need, I need, yeah, I need Sean Chamel or I need nobody. Yeah. So when it's, when they started like, you know, getting our dubs faster for, for super and things like that, I can't imagine like how much that helps like other big anime where people, you know, can't watch sub for whatever reason, have that dub immediately. Yeah. Same thing for like my hero. I watched my hero in sub or in dub first. So when I couldn't watch it in sub, or couldn't watch it in dub, like I just didn't watch it until the dubs came out. Now they're coming out faster. It's just better. Yeah. So even if I don't use Crunchyroll, like that's a huge contribution to just the, you know, anime in general. Yeah, because essentially what comes out is like Crunchyroll is able to capitalize on all these things that fans really want because it is a platform that was ultimately built by fans for fans that you end up having them push innovation across everything. Like simul dubs don't happen without simulcasts and Funimation needing to make itself different from the other things. Like I personally like Funimation because I prefer the English voices outside of Bakugo. Bakugo's Japanese voice is very good, but the other ones, no. Um, so that brings us to 2016, 
where Crunchyroll ended up going into partnership with Funimation. So Crunchyroll essentially got the rights to stream selected Funimation titles like My Hero and Funimation got the rights to stream selected Crunchyroll titles as well and including their upcoming dubbed content. In addition, Funimation and Universal Home Entertainment would act as Crunchyroll's home video catalog and any sort of physical distribution that they would end up having. And then in 2018, Funimation announced that their partnership with Crunchyroll was ended as a result of Sony Pictures Television's acquisition of Funimation and AT&T's acquisition of Crunchyroll's parent company, Otter Media. More on that later, because there's a lot of stuff to go into. Sad part is not even just Funimation and Crunchyroll, but I wish we would talk one day. We, we, people will finally start to care that why does a phone internet company own so much stuff? Mm-hmm. And you wonder why nothing gets done in this country. Yeah. Fun fact: Crunchyroll apparently distributes anime through Steam. Had no idea that that was a thing, but it is. In 2018, Otter Media bought the remaining shares of Crunchyroll from TV Tokyo and the other investors. And in 2018, AT&T acquired the remaining of Otter Media, um, which it did not own, which ended up filing Crunchyroll under Warner Media, which is why HBO Max has Crunchyroll. Um, see how long that lasts. Which formerly Time Warner, which was another internet provider. In 2019, it was announced that Otter Media would be placed under Warner Brothers as a part of a reorganization. And then uh, later, you ended up having Crunchyroll announce that they would be partnering with Viz Media to distribute select Crunchyroll licensed titles to home video instead of Funimation because that partnership had ended. And then, uh, and then later, this weird thing happened, which kind of shows you that we don't need to have companies working all together. But in September 2019, Crunchyroll announced that they had become the majority investor in Viz Media Europe. Crunchyroll then solidified the deal at the end of 2019 to become the majority owners of Viz Media Europe Group um, and appointed the former Viz Media Europe president, uh, John Isom, to lead the Crunchyroll EMEA. Viz Media, if you don't know, is the leading MAGA publisher in the United States. And by leading, I mean by heads and, yeah, everybody else is tiny compared to them. All this to say, well, Crunchyroll in itself started with the great to force companies to do good things. It led to basically everything else and all the stuff that Kate just said is terrible for actually all actual consumers. Yeah, because in 2020, Crunchyroll, so uh, Crunchyroll ended up going into a partnership with Sentai Filmworks, which was great for Crunchyroll fans in that we got uh, uh, Food Wars, Ascendance of the Book Word, and World Trigger. But then you have the great disappointment of 2020, which was that everything became a monopoly because Sony ended up buying Crunchyroll from Warner Media. For $1.5 billion. Uh, according to Variety, the amount was decreased to $1 billion later. Um, and it was reported that uh, Sony was in its final talks leading uh, ah, in October, late October 2020. The last reported talks were for $957 million. On December 9th, Funimation and its owner, Sony, announced that they had reached a deal with AT&T and Warner Media to acquire Crunchyroll for $1.175 billion. Uh, the acquisition is considered to be a major consolidation of global anime distribution rights outside of East Asia. So good news, 
you get one service maybe? Bad news, monopolies are bad. Also, all that innovation that Crunchyroll pushed kind of out the window. Capitalism breeds innovation, remember? Okay, we'll <laughs> write this in a little bit. Um, because yes, everybody was really excited because there was going to be a consolidation of streaming platforms. A lot of people don't, like we don't know the specifics of the buyout as of right now. Uh, the speculation that it's going to go one of two ways, either Funimation is going to absorb Crunchyroll, everything comes into one place, or Funimation drops its streaming platform and becomes just the digital uh, just the distribution piece and Crunchyroll ends up taking up all Funimation product. Those are like the ideals. But ultimately, the larger issue that this stands is becoming another vacuum where you're not getting a lot of licensing of content. Now, the counter to that or like the big counter piece that we hope will keep things as diverse as it is when it comes to offering of anime is that the global anime market size is estimated at uh, $21.91 billion in 2019 and was expected to be at $23.5 billion in 2020. Um, also, because we're in a COVID world, it is a lot cheaper to produce animation and get a higher return on it versus how much money is being pumped into physical things um, when you're having to deal with things like production, production stops, breaks, all that kind of stuff. Um, my but, biggest fear is just innovation. Like I said, one, this, pushed it. one, this is going to probably kill innovation, whether you like it or not. It's all any of this stuff ever does. Two, obviously, while it condenses a streaming service, um, it does leave licensing stuff, which leads, and I hate licensing, basically, because I've dealt with, as a person who is a fan of peak sports games and watching licensing kill the entire genre, um, I will always hate licensing. Um, but also... Whether we get licensing, everything, this is not good for consumers. And even if they leave it separated, the money's still funneling to one place. And that's just not good. And I don't know why all of a sudden we wonder, we just forgot in the last 20 years that monopolies are bad. And so we just let companies buy other companies. And now we have AT&T, which is literally just was a phone service ISP that literally owns half of the internet. Well, AT&T lost this. Technically, Netflix is going to come out as a savior in this because the the only platform that is competitively pricing out for licensing deals is Netflix. So Netflix going into co-production with a lot of anime that's coming out from Japan, as well as buying up the licensing, like, because you can, you can co-produce, which means you already own that licensing because you're putting money in production, or you can buy licensing. Netflix has been doing both, but Netflix has been pushing more towards co-production in and of itself. So it looks like Netflix is going to be like the main driving force that is like that. If there's going to be an innovator, it's going to be Netflix. But sadly, Netflix as a streaming platform doesn't actually have the fan awareness to push it because anime at the end of the day isn't Netflix's thing. So what do you think is going to happen? Is, are we going to get just one service with Funimation and Crunchyroll? Is, do we foresee like Sony getting bought out by like net, like the rights for anime, like getting bought out by like Netflix? Cause they just have, I'd imagine probably more money to do so. Like what, what's like the next thing you think is going to happen? So I don't honestly know in a perfect world, Crunchyroll stays as its own thing because of the next, but why though? 
in 2020, Crunchyroll unveiled an entire slate of original programming. And the reason that this is really important is like the question of what anime is has been kind of amorphous for a while because anime as it exists, it's really just a, like, it's become more of a genre descriptor because anime, as we know it traditionally, like Japanese animation has been outsourcing animation programs to Korea for like multiple years now. So you're not e like, you can't even define anime as Japanese animated stories because it's just not anymore. Um, is that and why, and this is going to be a stupid question. And again, I'm just getting into like the series, but is, is this why the God of High School takes place in Korea? So uh, God of High School was one of the Crunchyroll original anime. And that is because it was, so Naver owns Webtoon. Um, Naver is a South Korean company. Webtoons is the American arm of that. And so essentially they ended up signing the rights for multiple Webtoons comics and then getting adapted. So it is now having Korean material being adapted into animation, but that's done by Studio Mappa, which is a Japanese company. Gotcha. Okay, that makes so much more sense. I was so confused. I was like, because like, like, like you said before, like the traditional sense of anime is like, oh, it's a Japanese thing. So when the whole thing's mm -hmm. taking place in, in Seoul, I was like, what is going on here? Because I'm listening to this in Japanese, in Korea. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because ultimately what's happening right now with a lot of the Crunchyroll ad animations is that it's actually opening up anime beyond just Japanese content. And that's actually good for both animation companies and writers outside of Japan, but also good for Japan in and of itself because this, this goes into the innovation piece. But Crunchyroll is able to do that because of the money that they've been putting into those programs. So the several series that they have as originals that are coming out range from things that come directly from Japan and then webtoons and then original creations. So you have Inspector that came out in January and that was animated by Brainspace and that was adapted by a Japanese novel. Uh, Tower of God is an uh, adaptation of a webtoon. So that's uh, Korean. Again, The God of High School, also Korean. Uh, Geobyte, which is an original work by Ryo uh, Oki, so not based on any sort of manga or story beforehand. You have Tonikawa Over the Moon, which is an ad adaptation of a manga. You have Noblesse, which is another webtoon adaptation. Onyx Equa Equinox, which is an entirely original work from a Mexican creator based out of the United States. Um, and that one is a Meso uh, Mesoamerican uh, themed anime that came from Crunchyroll's personal animation studios. Um, so I'm a spider. So what is based on a light novel series? X-Arm is an animation uh, adaptation of a manga. Freak Angels is another web comic. Uh, High Guardian Spice is an original work um, by Ray Rodriguez. Um, also coming from Crunchyroll Studios, and then you have Meiji Gekken Swords and Guns, which is an which is an original work. When they got bought, they didn't just get bought for their licenses; they also got bought in their entirety, which includes their animation studios. Uh, the reasons it's scary is that all of that's in limbo now. So Crunchyroll's latest innovation, like I said, is pushing this beyond just the stuff that's getting licensed from Japan. Um, and that's kind of where the biggest fear is, is like, okay, are we going to get another season of God of High School? Are we going to get another season of Noblesse? Are we going to get another season of Tower of God? Or is all of this stuff going to fall to the wayside to favor the companies that Sony already has investments in, in the anime sphere? Well, um, how are, how are they like 
I mean, I don't know if you like, I don't, how do you, I don't know how you quantify this when they're like um, originals, but um, you would know better than I would, but like, where does like the popularity in like the spheres of like the anime community, like how they're hyped high. are they for, for these things? So for Tower of God, Inspector and God of High School, it was all really, really high. So is Over the Moon. Um, that one was also a really highly hyped one. The harder places you're having are the original ones coming from Crunchyroll. So Onyx Equinox wasn't as hyped. Um, but all of the stuff they were doing with Webtoon was extremely hyped. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of the Webtoon adaptations that are also happening in the live action realm as well. Gotcha. Um, so there's possibilities that they'll just keep them just because of like how well they're, they're doing. Yeah. If, if they keep anything, they're going to keep the Webtoon series. Gotcha. That that's at least my take on it. Um, the other thing is that Crunchyroll does a lot more than just do anime episodes now. Um, so they do all the original work, but they also have their store where you sold figures, tapestries, just the normal anime products. But they also have their Crunchyroll Loves Collections, which is a huge recognition of streetwear and specifically a lot of the work that Black anime fans have put into anime consumption in the United States um, that goes back to a lot of the streetwear that started with Wu-Tang. Um, they have done a Megan the Stallion collection, Jinji Ito, God of High School. Um, they had more in the pipeline, but again, don't know what's going to happen with it. And so like, well, yes, this is kind of writing the anime streetwear wave from Hypeland and Atigo. Um, pairing Crunchyroll with large artists as well as large anime properties makes it a lot more affordable because it's not the $200 t-shirt that Michael B. Jordan made with Coach. Yeah, so basically the opposite of what we talked about in like our One Piece episode with like- yes. Uh, all that stuff. That makes more sense, yeah. Yeah, all of this is affordable. Gotcha. Um, they also have their manga section rolled into their platform. So in 2013, Crunchy began digitally distributing 12 different manga titles from Kodansha, um, like Attack on Titan and Fairy Tale, and they were all wrapped into their premium subscription. Um, they also have the releases of live action dramas, which is currently happening with Cherry Magic. And then they also started a podcast arm, which did their first one last year, which was Anime America, which drew Doi Travis. They're also become a very large voice in anime success in that they have the anime awards that happen. Um, so the anime awards are also known as the Crunchyroll Anime Awards and their annual awards given to recognize anime from the previous year. The awards were first hold, held in 2017 and returned in 2018. Crunchyroll selects 20 judges from diverse backgrounds and then create a list of six nominees within each category. The list is then made available to the public to vote online. Um, and I don't will we know, say, don't we know one of those judges? Hi, am I, am I aware of one of, <laughs> one of those judges? Yes, I was an anime judge. I was an anime <laughs> award judge this year, which I will say it's not just lip service when they say diverse array of judges. Because I don't know if you saw that picture, Adrian, but like it was hella diverse. No, I did. I, I just wanted like, you to say it on, on the podcast is all. <laughs> yes, yes. I was one of the anime judges. It was fun and cool. And I'm happy I watched as much anime as I did in 2020. And then they also have their own convention, which is the Crunchyroll Expo, uh, which started in 2017 and has been going on their highest, uh, their highest turnstile was 45,000 in attendance, which is not as big as a PAX and stuff, but they bring uh, all of the large voice actors and stuff for the, from the things that they license and they do a lot of uh, US-based things. 2020 was supposed to be a huge, huge for Crunchyroll Expo because it was the, when they were going to be highlighting all of their stuff for the new year um, and original programming. 
And then COVID happened, so they did a virtual expo instead, which actually is probably was the most coordinated and well done from the press side of any of the virtual things that we did last year. Because um, they actually gave us times and interviews and stuff that worked well. You also left out the fact that Crunchyroll Expo was actually bought by Repop about a year and a half ago. I forgot about that. So if anything, the writing on the wall, dissolving of Crunchyroll, has already been on the ground. But it makes sense that they'd be able to put on a good convention, right? Like they got their start on the internet. Like, well, well that's I'm the thing. Well, they got, like... they got, I said they did it for 18 thing, and then they literally, after 2019, that expo happened, and then they get bought. Well, I'm actually surprised now that you pointed that out. Not that like I didn't know, but like I just forgot because PAX Online was awful. It was just very bad. And like the Crunchyroll Expo online was actually very good. So I don't know why there was such a difference. I don't know, but they're both owned by the same people. Yes. Because Repop is another monopoly. Yes. Because they own like every convention. Except for NYCC and San Diego. Like all the other big ones they own. But yeah, and that's pretty much where we're at. And it kind of sucks because describing all the stuff that... Crunchyroll has and does now is kind of tainted by the fact that we don't know if it's all going to keep existing because of the sale. Um, but those are actually the reasons like why to answer your question, Adrian. I just hope that whatever choices get made, Crunchyroll can still survive as a platform because of all the stuff that it's done outside of it. And I will say from a perspective, from a press perspective and from a perspective of getting to work with them and seeing the type of opportunities that they make available for like different types of creators, like YouTubers and just in general, like they care about building community and they care about building diverse communities. Sadly, I've been left on red and know quite a few people that were left on red from Funimation when it comes to opportunities. So I real like, and I think a lot of that is just because Funimation is Funimation. They do so much, they get so much, and they 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 own the big three and in the future of the big three that they don't really have to work with a lot of different and smaller communities like Crunchyroll has had to do. And so I kind of worry for what it means for community building as well as like people that are up and coming in the anime space. It, I feel like if if Crunchyroll gets left behind, it is going to be a lot harder to break it break into this space than it already is. Yeah, I I, I definitely see that. Yeah, and that and like they're like literally two of the shows on here are from uh, Latinx creators from their original like lineup like that's like really cool and like we're not getting a lot of that um netflix is coming in hot though with a lot of their new original animations that they're doing from from the american side um but it's all coming from one studio i love powerhouse with all yeah. my heart but it is still just coming from one studio <laughs> um so i don't know i'm i'm really hesitant to what everything will bring i also just want crunchyroll to be okay because They've done a lot. And I, I think doing the research for this episode, I didn't realize how much exactly they did to actually push anime to the space that it is now in the United States. So yeah, final thoughts. Cool. Monopolies are bad. I'm still not going to watch Crunchyroll. Here we are. Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, like I said, said at the top, look, I don't subscribe to Crunchyroll all the time. Like if something comes out that I know that I can only get on Crunchyroll, then I'll watch it on Crunchyroll. But 
yeah, the, the summer sucks really sucks because I really just I really do enjoy that I can watch everything in one spot and like for years and we've, we've had these conversations multiple times like you know o- over the years of like dude i just wish i could just have everything in one spot like the good old days of cable and now <laughs> I, now i feel like i'm paying more than i do for cable now like with, with yeah. all these these streaming services so i know monopolies are bad but i also don't like having to watch every different show on different streaming services so i do like i did like the partnership where i could just watch jujitsu kaisen because i don't know if i would have watched jujitsu kaisen without it being on HBO yeah. Max. You know what I mean? But I do enjoy, and I think like, the biggest thing that for me that's coming out of this episode is that they pushed people to do the, 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 the what, what was it, the simulcast? Yeah. Yeah, like that's huge, right? Like that like lets me watch my anime in like the version that I watched it in. Because for me, if I watch something in, in the dub first, then I'm going to watch it in the dub basically the entire time. If I watch something in the sub first, I'm going to watch it in the sub yeah. the entire time. Um. So pushing that innovation and making that more of a standard, even pushing it for a company like Funimation, who, like you said, owns like the biggest anime and can just basically do whatever they want. If they felt the need to do that because a small little pirated pirating company like Crunchyroll did that, like that's super, super huge. And um, that's innovation that that we like. But, you know, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. I don't want to have to like illegally stream stuff because <laughs> it's just like a pain to find stuff. But, you know. Oh, Crunchyroll keeps going. I do like their originals. The God of High School is great. Um, I'm about to start Tower of God. I'm excited for Onyx Equinox. Like there are things in Crunchyroll that they're doing that I am excited for. I just hope that they, like you said, I hope they get they get to keep doing it because they are coming out with really really great content of their own at this point. Yeah, and I will say, Crunchyroll is also technically free. Like you get more stuff with the premium, but you can still watch it free. Which I don't remember if Funimation does it or not. I don't remember off the top of my head, actually. I don't think they do have a free option. Maybe they do. I don't know. Because I know they have like two tiers, but I don't know. I don't know if it's actually free free. Um, But yeah. So that's it on that. That's Crunchyroll. I think they're great. The Anime Awards voting opens on January 15th. So if you want to vote for your favorite anime from last year, just go to crunchyroll.com and they should have all of the stuff for you to jump into and start voting for everything. Um, and yeah, uh, as always, if you like this show and you want to support us a little bit more, head over to patreon.com slash but why though PC, patreon.com slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O-P-C. And you can find me on Twitter at Randier, where I'm probably still talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. Adrian? Yeah, before before we I, I say my thing, I do have a question. As the judge, what's your anime of the year? I know they can find this on the website, but for our podcast listeners, like, what's your anime of the year from last year? Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen. That's what yeah. I figured. Yeah, it's Jujutsu good. Kaisen. It's, it's, good, it's real good, man. Like, I don't, I I don't just... even like I don't even like horror stuff, and it's good. It's real good. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter, probably also pr- talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm gonna go watch an episode right now on Twitter at SuperReese93. S U P E R R U S E ninety three. Matt. So I think for this year we should invest in guillotines instead of corporations. <laughs> <laughs>